Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails, your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hot hand, presented by Data.World. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, customer guy, product guy, uh, joined by Juan Cicada. Hey, Tim, how are you doing? It's Wednesday, middle of the week, end of the day, really late where our guest is coming in from tonight. Uh, we're glad we've been on the road for the last couple of weeks. We've kind of, uh, the honest OPS thing here is that we've kind of taken a little bit of a break, but without taking a little bit of a break, we haven't had any guests. But anyways, super excited to be back. Uh, and today we have John Cook, who is the founder of Dataception. John, uh, Tim and I met John last year, Big Data London, finally in person. And it's just, it was a blast to meet up with you again a couple of weeks ago. And here we are. How are you doing, John? Awesome. Yeah, really good, guys. Yeah, really good to be to be on. And yeah, um, yeah, things are going really well. As you say, it's a little late now, so I'm a little bit bleary. I haven't quite got the match six, <laughs> but you know, it's, it, it's all good. Yeah, no, things are going really good. Um, you know, the whole data product thing is obviously what I've been looking at last last year or so has really taken off. And, um, you know, generative AI, LLMs, I mean, I've been in the industry 30 years now. Every epoch that happens, like big data and cloud and servitor and architecture and whatever, I think that's going to be the last one. But there's then a few years later, there's another one. So, we, you know, I still love being in it 30 years later. Uh, right? This is truly exciting. I think we're always, every time we're, we can say that we're in the very exciting times. Yeah, yeah. So really excited. But hey, before we get into it, uh, let's kick it off. Uh, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for? Cool. So um, I am drinking, I don't know if you can see this, uh, a gin and tonic with Aperol. Mm. So it's a co proper cocktail. And um, yes, wow. it's very, very tasty. It's a, you know, it's a kind of a fruity type stuff. And um, I'm just, I'm, you know, uh, I guess toasting, again, the whole data product movement, which I'm, I'm loving and just having these great conversations with people and, and just toasting a great time in tech and data, right? So there we go. Love Cheers. Love that. Cheers, Tim. How about you? Yeah, I'll I'll toast to the data product movement as well as somebody who is a product guy, you know, yeah. kind of through and through to see product management become more adopted by by the data community in its own way, right? Is very very exciting. So, uh, and by the way, I've never tried Aperol in my uh, gin and tonic. That's something that I, I got to try out. That sounds. It's good. nice. Don't put too much in though. I just you, you can overdo little, it. Just, just a little, a little, little dash is yeah. very tasty. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll, I'm gonna try that. But uh, today I am drinking um, a little bit of uh, Treaty Oak Ghost Hill Texas Bourbon their single barrel so pretty close to tech uh, to austin about maybe 45 minutes away is a distillery called treaty oak one of my favorites a, a good local place well i have uh, a gin i have i found some gin from from stockholm in my bar i don't know who left it there it's a and then i'm testing it with some uh, cranberry sparkling water and then i put some strawberries and lime nice refreshing uh drink for a wednesday afternoon so the tail end of summer yeah, I mean, we're Texas is still kind of summer. Hopefully, I think it's supposed to get cool in the next day or so. Cool. This weekend, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. We're get... so, guys, I'm from England, so you we talk about cool, you know, and I mean, in terms of temperature, you know. <laughs> we'll still be wearing shorts and short sleeves, but uh, but comfortable instead of uh, sweating our balls off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, cheers, cheers to the data product. I think that's something that we definitely cheers. need. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so we got our warm up question today. Um, it's not really that funny. It's really serious, but it's a good, it, it, let, let, let's, let's start with some seriousness here of generative AI. So what's the most surprising thing you've seen with generative AI or actually what is the greatest failure? So, yeah, I, I, a really interesting question. I mean, I, I say I just done my, did my first generative AI project back in 2016. 
2017 before Transformers and wasn't even using neural networks. It was actually using naive Bayes and we um, and basic machine learning. And and the most surprising thing was one, A, we got it working. It was a chatbot and we were querying that kind of stuff. But the, what was really surprising, the amount of actual effort of manual handcrafting we had to do to try and get the corpus of data into um into the, the into the shape where it can actually be queried and you have to build a whole the whole chatbot stuff what's really surprising to me in the last probably 12 months is i can do that probably with a few lines of code <laughs> and i know how much it took us three months to do it you know that that long ago but now with Langchain and you know with um llama and other types of other other, other open source products you can actually do this really really quickly so that's really the surprising thing for me but now, I, I think for me it's right now like combining with the vision stuff like now yeah. it's it's just getting crazy like the the, the vision stuff that got announced yeah. this week or last week whatever like every week you get amazed like in things that you even think about Dude. so I, I think Dude. this combination of vision is something that is uh, yeah I think that's, yeah that's but really LLMs and are still no good at doing forecasting stuff they don't know about. So that's that's a real interesting piece around this. Something I'm looking at at the moment. So you know they're very good at you know we get into a bit more, but you know seeing what the facts, what's happened, and even even a little bit of the why. But actually, when you start looking, say what's going to happen, what do I do next, all that kind of stuff, which we can get into. There's still a little way to go for that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree with Juan on the the vision piece. Like that's been very exciting. Like uh, there's some a bunch of you know there's all the like the Gen AI hype Twitterers, right? And like one of the threads, like somebody took a picture of a really convoluted parking sign. Yes, and, I saw that, yes. And, and yeah. it was basically like, am I allowed to park here, right? And it was like, yeah, you're within the hours. It's like, oh, good, because I had no idea what the sign was saying, right? <laughs> I wonder, can you, could you sue it if it gets it wrong and you get a ticket? That's the thing, right? Nobody wants to have the liability, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, so uh, let's kick it off. We're, our topic today is data product generative AI business value. And I want to start off with honest, no BS. Do you have a pedantic definition for data products? I do, and it doesn't matter. This is the thing. And, you know, we've talked a lot about this in, in Brian's um, sort of data product leadership community. And actually, he has a very good, a nice way of saying it. The verb is more important than noun, i.e. the process of the product management of actually what you come out of the back, on the back of it is much more important how you actually clinically define a, a data product. And the other thing I would say, in the real world, we don't define a product. You know, if I go and buy a running shoe or I go and get a mortgage, those are products, but they have very different classifications. So why do I try and classify them? So why in data do we need to feel the need to actually define, clearly define a data product as this, this, and, you know, so, you know, I, I, I tried it a year and a half ago. I put a, what I put, I put my definition about what it is and this, and this is the things I talk with businesses about, you know, so I'll go to a business person, say you've got a forecast or, or a metric or, a, you know, a credit model or what have you, and I'll talk about products in that way. But I won't talk. I won't use the word data product. But actually, that's that's the language they understand and actually resonates with. So coming back and saying a data product is this, and there's only this. To me, it's about the business outcome and what the the product management process to get there is. That that's actually more important than de defining a product in my mind. So I, I wanted to start off with this because I was very curious what you were going to say because a year ago, I think the whole at conferences, right? We're getting out of COVID, people going off, and then yeah. and then meeting with people, and it was all data. I mean, it was data mesh was the big topic last yeah. year. Mm -hmm. And then out of data mesh, you hear data product, but then everybody was like, "Well, what do you mean by data product?" What do yeah. you mean? I mean, <laughs> Tim and I, like, we, we didn't want to give a definition for data product. We also were kind of giving our definition. We came up with our framework, yeah. the ABCs of data product. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the, the argument's like, well, if you say it's anything, then then anything can be a data product and then it defeats the purpose which i guess it's true but at some yeah. point then we just become too pedantic about it 
And it's like, wait, let's, we're forgetting about the pro the, it's the process you're doing, but again, the business value. So I, I, exactly. I think, I think we all got tired of trying to figure out those pedantic definitions. So, so is if, if you hear somebody trying to be pedantic, so what do you tell them now? So um, I used to be quite, quite um, vocal and try and say, no, that's not it. And what have you, and could be a bit spiky. You know me, you know me guys, I'm, I'm not backwards and coming forwards, if you know that expression. But now I'm just like, well, I've actually been through this process a number of times with business people. And I've actually gone through and actually come out with, you know, products that actually define their business strategy. And, you know, the way I did this with a, a company a, a few months ago, and they were a small startup and they did credit models. And we came, we came out with three actual products at the end of it. I sat in a room for a, a day with this, the CEO, the um, COO, the head of product and the CTO, and we thrashed it out. We came up with three products. And we said, this is the data we think we need. This is kind of the strategy, this kind of stuff. Then they came out and they're, now they're building it. It's like that to me is 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 is, is a win, right? You know, the the, de the clear definition for them was was what these things were, but for someone else it might be different. That that's the process we need to get in. So now I actually get I, I'm much more relaxed about it. I don't, you know, if you want to call a data set a data product, then go go for your life. I don't think no data sets are data products. They're important pieces, but the, the main bits that solve the business problems and resonate with the business people because data doesn't really resonate with business people. Those kind of things that solve their problems resonate with them. That's where you get to get to the outcome. So yeah, I tend to talk through that sort of process rather than strictly kind of get into some sort of debate over what, what a product is or isn't. Mm. So, you know, you mentioned credit models, right? Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, some people think very narrowly about data products and they're kind of yeah. like, well, it's, it's gotta be the data itself. And it's something about the data itself and credit models obviously are more of a complex thing. You know, it's, it's a, it's sort of a, a combination of sort of statistics and a, and a, and a model more, more of yeah. a math model behind it that has yeah. various data sources and things. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, interestingly, so, um, I was visiting a customer of ours a few weeks ago and uh, they had a very, very expansive kind of view of data products. Like, yeah. hey, if it's a dashboard and, you know, and somebody created a derived version of that, that's a derived data product, right? And, and because it's something we're gonna maintain and, you know, they had their list yeah. of things that they thought mm -hmm. kind of made it a data product, but it was a very inclusive and expansive view. Uh, kind of curious from your perspective, like, do, do you think it's kind of better to take a more expansive view? Um, you know, do you encourage that? So it really depends on the on the, on the maturity of the organization, I think, as well. And I think that's the, the first thing I do is actually define with an organization, what, is it, what does it mean to them? What are you, what's the, what's the, the unit of delivery that solves the business use case for them? So if it's dashboard, you know, you could argue either way. And again, you, what you really don't want, don't want to get is this philo uh, philosophical kind of debates because that doesn't get you anywhere. What you want is something to actually to, this tangible value and actually solve the problem and actually has a customer and, or internal or what have you, you know. So for me, it's that it's defining that. If someone wants to call the dashboard a, a product, if it's got a product management process, if you're looking at business, you know, solving a business problem, if it's uh, your customers, you've got users, that sort of stuff, then, you know, that, that, that's absolutely fine. But the interesting thing is, it's that it's that customer user interaction. It might be a direct one from a business person, operations, or what have you, or it might be an indirect one, like a recommendation engine. Right? It might be a really simple one, like you know, a simple item item, you know, um, collaborative filtering type recommendation engine that's, that's serving an e-commerce website. That's a data product in my mind. Yeah, it hasn't got any direct you know users. It's obviously publishing um, uh, recommendations on the website, but that's got a life cycle to it. It's got a business use case. It's that kind of stuff. A simple metric could be a data product. You know, imagine the, the total monthly sales that the CFO, the CRO, and CEO all agree, mm -hmm. and that gets to actually deployed as a you know the container or whatever it is. But they can all hit that metric and they get the same calculation. That to me is a, is a very very simple data product. 
you know, and yeah. that's 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 what that's really kind of the angle I, I come in that. You know, the data itself is a communication mechanism. It's not really unless you 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 productize it by sticking a nice you know like a flight information deck from a you know, on an aircraft. It's, it's all it's all raw data, but it's all been presented to the to the, the users that kind of stuff. So that data right. has now been productized. Data itself isn't the product; it's the whole thing and the whole experience in my mind. So you got some flexibility in terms of how you may, as an organization, may want to define it. Obviously, there's a clear couple of trends right around sort of yeah. outcome oriented. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a customer, which in our ABC framework, we think of that as like D, downstream consumers, or there has to be a customer, usually user, yeah. somebody's using it, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And, uh, and, and also, there's some kind of a repeatability aspect to it. Like, you're, you know, it's a, it's a reusable component. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the, sort of the equivalent is a, there's a market, right? I mean, if you want to go into product product manager theory, there's a market. There's more than one 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 consumer. Obviously, if it's internal versus external, there's, there's, there's a subtle dimension. Because obviously, if it's external, it's simple. Someone's going to pay you money for it, right? That's, that's the thing, you know. Um, if it's internal, you tend to be more kind of pushing it out as, a, as part of an operating model for multiple users and that kind of stuff. But it's also trying to get multiple customers not just not just from a technical perspective to reusable but to, to, to agree on the business rules and the business logic and what that's doing like i said you're, you're you've got to agree that if you're going to if three different departments are going to use a, a you know a, a business component business orientated component it is the same thing and they all understand what it is and they will agree on that kind of stuff because you know otherwise you get you know three different versions of it which you've all seen right i just give me the data and i'll recreate that 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 sales dashboard or that finance you know, report or whatever you know, that's what you want to avoid. It's like you want to say, you know, if I want to give you a number, you want to agree with that number is everyone, everyone agrees on the same number effectively. Right. Yeah. So, so on, okay. So the data products, I think we're, I think we're in agreement here. And I think we've seen this evolution that it's yeah. really about the process, make sure you have a process behind it. And mm -hmm. there is business value. There's a market for it. There's, there's users, yeah. right? So I think that, that's, that's a clear thing. And then we don't have to be pedantic about it. So, uh, by the way, you said something I think is another thing we should put on a T-shirt because we're going to talk about T-shirts in a bit. Yeah. Uh, data itself is just a communication mechanism. I like that. that that's yeah. a T-shirt. Goes back to we got to start our T-shirt. Our, our yeah, indeed, indeed. Do a side I feel like right. that's going to become a running joke of this show now. That people who listen for a long time are going to be like, "You guys have been saying since episode thirty that you're going to start a T-shirt store." <laughs> Hopefully, somebody actually starts it. Then, anyway, so okay. Um, Brilliant. Where does Gen AI LLMs fall into this? So this is interesting. I did a, I did a presentation um, a few weeks ago, literally just before Big Data London, around um, data products and, and the nexus of data products and LLMs. And I, the way I the way I see it, again, this is the way I also I've been using. It. I've done a number of um, generative AI projects over the last sort of four or five six years. And um, from a data product perspective, there's kind of three different kind of use cases, archetypes, patterns you use for, for LLMs in a in a data product kind of uh, approach. The first one is basically where you're doing what I call co-pilot type use cases, where you're generating, you're, you're asking the LLM, you know, to actually to generate some intermediate representation of code or something like that. So I, you know, write some or a, um, you know, or a data contract or something like that. So it, and you're getting the LLM to do to, to write that for you, and then you're executing that separately out out of bat. And that's kind of what the co-pilot use case. And and what I'm actually doing at the moment is actually looking to generate data product definitions using LLMs. So you know. Create me a forecast. Create me a um, you know a, a metric. Bring in that data set. You know that kind of instruction based stuff where you're actually building. You know, I've got something called the data product pyramid, which is basically a dependency um, graph of data products of, of analytics components. And I'm doing that all manually at the moment through UX and that kind of stuff. So actually, you have an LLM doing that for you in front of the business person, 
you know, that's that's super powerful. So that's like a, a co-pilot version. The, the, second, the second archetype is basically kind of what we call a platform feature or an infrastructure feature. So when you're bringing in data, there's a classic one, like doing data point extraction. That was, well, that was a customer use case I did, I did fairly recently, or sentiment analysis, or I'm looking to, you know, language translation or to augment the data as it's coming into the system. That would be like a platform feature. And that's really where the, the LLM, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge one, like a llama could be BERT or something really is a much smaller one doing you know, classification or uh, NER or something like that as part of the platform feature. That's that's another classic use case. And the third one is where you've actually got the LLM as the core part of the product. You know, ChatGPT, in my mind, is a, is a really good data product. It's a very complicated one, but it is actually a whole data product. And the, the, and the LLM's right in the middle of it, and it's been the core USB. We've seen this kind of explosion of kind of domain-orientated, um, you know, LLMs like the Bloomberg's got one. I saw it. There was a, there was a, a medical NER one that was, was just just been published, where you can actually go into medical classification of terms and stuff like that. That might form the core of a, of, a, of, of, of the um, of the third one. You know, so actually you can actually use it to. Um, uh, do things like you know query the, the data product graph. You know, we talked. I think we talked a little bit about this one. You imagine you've got this ecosystem of data products with all the APIs on them. I want to be able to query them. Like, so, what's the forecast going to be? What's you know what's what's happened? What does it mean? You know, what's my, what's the credit rating of this kind of stuff? When you're interacting with it using natural language, but it's actually calling through either RAG or through functions and that kind of stuff to actually call the products themselves. So there's lots of scope where LLMs can kind of come into the kind of the data product kind of process and, and architecture. Interesting. I, I think on your on your LinkedIn, right? You yeah. have this image. Yes. That says business ask Gen yeah. AI slash LLM data product business value. So, yeah. like, what, what does that mean? And like, why is Gen AI so early in that flow? So the it's based on the process that I've just talked about. So I, you know, when I go into into a business, I go to a business person and I say, right, let's build some analytics for you. Let's define your what you the decision you want to make the outcome you want to make and what oh that's a decision model what do you need to make that oh you need a forecast of what's going to happen you need to understand what's happened before that's a metric that's a, that's a forecast that's a credit model that kind of stuff i'm doing all that stuff on whiteboards at the moment you know whiteboards and powerpoint and this kind of stuff um the idea is that you actually then can use natural language to actually uh, processing to actually create those things in front of the user so actually you'll create you'll create the metric in front of their eyes fundamentally so if you imagine you know, you're you're going through that process. You're using the using the um, the LLM to actually instruct to build that dependency graph of data products. You're prototyping them, and then you obviously you can industrialize them and bring in the data and that kind of stuff. But that's actually giving you the business output, and then you publish them straight out to a mesh or fabric or some of that data product distributed architecture. And you've got an instant living, breathing ecosystem of data products that actually give the business value. And because you define them with the business, which is very unusual that kind of that that kind of breadth you've got this end-to-end -end kind of you know what we call the OODA loop you know the um, observe orient decide act loop which you can continually go around very quickly very easily but you're using LM to really accelerate that whole process so that's really what that's describing so so I'm I Interesting. I'm, I'm processing where you're going. Let me let me rephrase this kind of in my words here. You you give three different kind of descriptions or different or or characteristics of, of three types of things around this data products and, and, and LLM. Yeah. So the first one, you call it the co-pilot. And, and the way okay. I'm interpreting this is you use LLMs to help you build the data product. Yes. Yeah. Then the second one is like, oh, I, they, I, it can help me do classification sentiment. So it, it's, it's just another feature that I go use in my data product later on. So that's yes, like another yeah, one. Yeah. Right? product or, or part of the infrastructure that sits underneath it. Also. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And then the third one is that the LLM itself becomes the data product. That yeah. it's really that 
the, the brain, the chat with the chat with your data, the chat with your organization of approach. Exactly right. Yeah. That. And then at the end of the day, kind of all it's like a feedback, like it's all all gets together. <laughs> exactly right. In the process, again, the, it, what it does, it supports that 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 genuine product product management process where you're asking the business, you're prototyping, you're ideating, and then shortcutting the production of those into into you know into production and then you're iterating around as the business changes and that's really the thing that i've been sort of trying to push the last, probably the last couple of years that really that agility and something i've always struggled with a bit with um you know with um a lot of data architecture data strategy you don't have that agility we've got to, you know it's like we've got to get the data in all in one place and before we can do anything with it and for me it's actually the product management approach that's the other way around if you look at the startup world doing product market fit you're, you're putting you're getting a bare prototype out as quickly as possible MVP, genuine mvp and then you're iterating with the business with your customers to actually see if it's going to work if it doesn't then you pivot you can do that quickly and you iterate around it and that's what i'm trying to bring to kind of really the kind of analytics world in general with a process with some tech with some kind of thought leadership and some ip in there as well this is what i'm i'm personally really excited about the the general i mean the generative AI, it's, yeah. it's a fact. This is fact now. The amount of productivity gains that that, that you generate is it's, it's just outstanding. Like this has been very well documented. So I think this is one of the things that we should be figuring out. What are tasks that we can reduce the amount of time? We're going to get more bang for my buck. And I think uh, I love that you're bringing up the whole, well, I'm, I'm talking with the users. I'm trying to be able to extract stuff like getting that process that that knowledge out of people's head yeah and taking that out of their head and putting it into a computer like that is always been such a hard thing i mean uh, fucking wikis is what we like we've been doing wiki right i mean wikis i mean wikipedia has been an amazing thing but and we yeah. try to go to wikis internally and then that yeah. they start out with excitement and it dies right we have confluence and things goes off right but but if we had a way to to just kind of streamline that that would streamline it that would be Ideal. I think this is one of yeah. the approaches, but it's not just the, the beauty of it. I think is that we can really structure this knowledge. Like we can, tr like yeah. at the end, I mean, you know, you you know me right now. It's like I'm all about graphs. It's like everything that we talk about. Like you said it to yourself, right? I draw it on the whiteboard. Yeah. Whiteboard. You draw these graphs. It's like I can literally start talking to people. Like, like let's just codify this, and then everything starts getting connected. So I think this is what I'm truly yeah. on board with this, and, and I think we we need to have more. Uh, the, the 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 what what I what, always, what I've always been calling the knowledge engineer the knowledge scientist the, the, yeah. the data translator role the data product managers like the people who work with both sides like this this should be like your tool that you use every single day to make sure that I can extract as much knowledge uh, what people are talking about and just turn this into code as fast as possible exactly right. but it's not just extracting knowledge it's one thing I found working a lot with the business sometimes it's about and leading them maybe not driving them but leading them sometimes you got to reframe the problem. You know, and I've had this many times where, you know, you, how many times you ask a business, what do you want? And they're just like, they don't know or they can't articulate or what have you. And actually, you, when you when you drill down into it, it's actually something completely different. What they need and what they want is sometimes very, very different. And that's something that's, that's, that's really, um, you know, really, really resonated with me the last 30 years is actually how do we actually get something in front of them, especially something visual and say, is this what you mean on um, or is this actually what you need to do? And this is why the, the pyramid process I talk about, it doesn't talk about data, it doesn't talk about analytics. It says, what decisions do you want to make? You know, I want to get away from, oh, we need, I need a lake or I need a, you know, I need this kind of model. I need, I need my KPIs. It's like, no, what, what decision do you want to make? You know, so you got an ops manager saying, I want to reduce cost. Okay, so let's have a look at what are the, what are the areas you want to reduce cost in? 
oh, you want to reduce, you know, basically staff costs, which is not not great, or you want to make more people more efficient and reduce the number of tickets, or you want to get lower. Cost. Those are the sort of conversations that you, you you need to have as an analytics person, in my mind. It's not, you know, what KPI do you want or what data do you need? It's it's, it's that type of stuff. Because actually, when you start reframing the problem or framing it properly in business terms, the light bulbs sometimes go on. Sometimes they they goes goes the other way. It's like I don't want to do that because that's that's going to change my job, and I don't want to do that. You know, which is which is part of a business change thing. This is this is the thing I've also been driving through that data analytics is a business change process, and it should be, and it rare, very rarely is seen as that. You know, we talk a lot about CDOs and stuff, not having the empowerment, not having a seat at the table, but part of that is actually not. You know, if you're going to go and build some analytics for your business. And it tells you the business to do something different. The business has got to accept that. There's no point going to the chief revenue officer and saying, "I can I can increase your conversion rates from like you know ten to one to three to one, but you've got to change your sales process." And CRO says, "I'm not going to change my sales process." You know, it's that that's a key part of it. And being able to actually have those kind of conversations and drive those sort of drive those sort of outcomes and change them as they go is is, is a super important piece in my mind. Hmm. Do you think that? Um between gen AI and data products that this business change process is going to get easier or is it actually, you know, either harder or the same, it's just more important. It's going to get, well, if it should get easier. I mean, the whole point around it is actually applying UX kind of process to where you, where you design something, put it in front of the business quickly, and then, then iterate around trying to get that kind of mentality into analytics. Because, you know, what you don't want to say, right, we're going to go and build a, you know, a credit model or do a forecast, or come back in six months time, and we'll show it to you then it's like, you know, because we have to go and get the data, we have to do this kind of stuff. And then the UX is, um, um, you know, the, the UX, here's some scatter plot charts as well. So there's a UX piece in that as well, you know, how do you actually show to the business? Um, you know, how, how to do that. And it's also these things like, you know, not just show, show that this is what the analysis we've got. It's like, let's do some what if analysis on that. So you might say, you know, I want to optimize your sales funnel. It's like, well, let's change the, change the ratio between SDRs and, and salespeople. Let's increase the, or let's, let's decrease the unit cost. Let's just, let's muck around with that kind of stuff. And that is absolutely super powerful, but very few organizations really get to that point. Most of the time it's like, oh, we spend six months just getting the data and trying to put the, um, you know, the KPIs and the kind of the, the metrics, the, the information layers we call it, as I call it, you know, but actually when you want to start, you know, what does it mean to me, which is the next level up really, the knowledge and kind of decisioning piece of it, that's where it's really important. Obviously LLMs don't really help with that too much. What they're very good at doing is obviously the lower level stuff, right? Accelerating the lower level stuff. Like you said, um, you know, ca capturing knowledge and translating it into other, other, other into knowledge graphs or curating it, that kind of stuff. And sort of, and also saying what's happened and kind of a little bit why it's happened, but if, if you've got enough in your corpus to be able to do that. But actually the real value is actually getting up, up the level and being able to do that quickly and turning it because businesses change, right? I mean, there's some businesses that, you know, the market is, we all know the market is, is very turbulent at the moment. If you can't react to it, if you can't change it, you can't measure it, then actually you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So it's really trying to get that drive, that whole kind of that whole kind of process. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And, you know, <clears throat> related to this, like just thinking about you know, whether it's Gen AI or if it's um, data products, you know, is there a way to to leverage those things where you don't necessarily need to have dedicated roles around it. Like, like, are, you know, like I think about like DevOps and agile, like even though, yeah, there are people who have DevOps engineer and things like that in their title, like by and large DevOps and agile became a part of how engineering is done. Right. Yeah. 
is data product management going to be kind of you know similar is our data people just going to do that as part of what they do or are you more on the side of oh man we need the role like we need the data product manager who's going to come in and kind of be the change agent yeah so i i'm on, I'm, on, I'm on the second one i actually do believe that ultimately data teams need to become product teams fundamentally you know we we there's, there's a lot of you know, sort of shifting data from one side to the other which takes a lot of time and energy and you know, that sort of stuff but actually if you take you know, if you go from kind of the business first, because you can go, you can go either way, right? You go from data first. We've got this data. What can we do with it? Or you can go from the business first. Let's let's see, if, let's try and see if solve the business problem. If we don't have the data, let's go and try and find it, augment it, create it, change it, what have you. I'm very much of that kind of second bit. And actually, if you have a um, product management team, and I do believe data product management is a subset of product management. You know, and there's even an argument to say actually you should put them under the CPO, the Chief Product Officer. Just, just as another another type of products that get delivered to your analytics space rather than digital and and, and the other side. All right, so a couple of times I want to hit you on this one because you're talking about where, where should they report. I think this is really important. I want to hold that thought for a second. But going back to you, Tim, like you said, you you brought up like maybe it's a, it's a it's a role versus it should be embedded and I'll have that data pro, like that product management. But if if you bring in that product management as like part of of who you are. That means that you actually would have the role then of a product yeah. manager. Well, yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, and it makes you think about the topologies of software teams, right? Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, even though things like Agile and DevOps have been more kind of embedded in with the way that teams work yeah. or like even even like modern testing, like modern testing tends to be done by the engineers themselves. Yes. What we haven't seen is product managers as a role go away. Right. That is still a role and a very important one. Right. Um, and so when we think about the data side, right, maybe that role, to your point, John, is, is an important one. And, you know, as you know, there's kind of a theory around software team topologies, where yeah. as you grow as an engineering organization, you kind of create these teams, you create these pods, but you get a little yeah. bit of specialization. Right. You yeah. get more of your infrastructure and your platform teams that need yeah. to manage the platform of what the product is built upon for repeatability, for scalability, for performance, mm -hmm. all that, right? But then you have the product teams that are building certain functional areas, certain features, yeah. certain user interfaces. And so yeah. that kind of a topology, you know, maybe some data teams are embracing that, but most aren't. Agreed. And maybe that's where things kind of need to go, will go. Agreed. I mean, if you look at cloud, right? Cloud's a classic example. You know, we go back 10, 15 years ago, large, large infrastructure teams, they're all, being shrunk down because you've got the cloud team, which is effectively Azure or, or um, you know, or GCP or, or AWS, they are performing that exact function, right? And then you've got the teams here, you know, the business teams in the customers are actually assembling the services. Okay, they do have an extra, they do have sometimes have cloud engineers and stuff, but they're not like armies of them, right? There's like, you know, there's, there's maybe one or two um, who know, just know, just understand they can navigate the the, uh, the many services, but it's much more that the customers are building their business apps Using cloud services, and it's, and it's the same thing. I think in data, in data, we need to get to that point where, you know, the 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 the, the business teams are building their own analytics and, and doing that kind of process I talked about with their own their own business stakeholders, that type of stuff, and the data team again split into a platform team or an infrastructure team, if you like, and and the product teams get federated into the business teams where where appropriate. And it, it doesn't have to be like that because I mean I've I've built um pool pooling systems where you've got like a pool of you know experts and they get spun up as part of projects and all that sort of stuff you know so it doesn't have to be like you have to embed everything into the business you know what you need is those people building the analytics to be business facing whether they are line management up to it or not 
you know, we could argue either way, but that's that's the key point. So, so going down to the reporting structure, it, it, so I think traditionally what we're seeing is that data teams are kind of underneath the CIOs because they're just like that. I mean, it's technology, and then yeah. they, they, yeah. they're, 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 they're you're, you're here because of reporting, and you're yeah. like, let's, let's get the machine running, like that, keep the machine going. Now, I'm starting. I mean, we're, we're here starting to go see a little bit more of a shift to saying, oh, should they actually go underneath the COO? Because if it's truly going to be about the operations of the business, then it's not just about keeping the lights on. I mean, just normal normal IT yeah. things of the day, but like yeah. it's about how do we can be more efficient, right? Let's let's go have those, understand what those business processes are, figure out how, what, what are the things that we need to go improve and so forth. So I, that's a trend that I'm starting to go see. But, but I do hear once in a while people say it should be under this chief product officer. And I would, so I'm thinking if the organization is actually generating, creating, so I mean, in this case, kind of almost like software products themselves, and that would make sense yep. to go in yep. there, but not everybody does that. So I feel that the kind of, if you are a software company, your data team, and we want to report on this on the, on the metrics that your own building and all that stuff, yep. you report end up to this, to the chief product officer. Otherwise, it's usually going to be the CIO, but it should end up as as fast as you can moving into the COO. That's my that's kind of what I've been observing. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of lot of um, product based data product or you know platform stuff for operations, and I did did a did a, um, a system back in 2014 for a large bank, which is very mesh like, where we spun up metric engines for different different parts of the organization. Um, trans, uh, transaction reporting, settlements, confirmations. Like, there was about thirty different domains. We had different, you know, and it was very, very much like. And it was, you know, you could see that it, they're all under the CEO. But that's that, that's that's a use case. That's not really a a, a capability across function capability because you want products to be able to actually do process optimization. You want products to be able to help finance. You want to be able to. Well, we also want products to be able to drive business. You know, I've got an, a customer who's um who's built a whole analytics app. They're, they're transitioning from a service company to really an analytics company. They've, they've got four million customers and they've built this this analytics app. We can download and you can do all sorts of interesting things in it. That's a business facing piece, and really you don't want. You know, you don't want two kind of teams doing one doing sort of you know operations process optimization efficiency and one doing kind of kind of customer face because there really are there's, there's a lot of similarities in there really. You know, you want a similar process. Obviously, it's, it's, there's actual money involved in customers. It's slightly different, but um, you you know you don't want to bifurcate that in my mind because, like I said, if you can get the process cooking, you can actually do build internal and external products very in a very very similar way, and you can actually have cross cross products on there as well, right? Because they all they all depend on each other, right? And you're going to end up with an ecosystem of products across your whole organization, running your organization, which is really the nirvana in my mind. Dima, that you were to go on something? No, I'm, I'm just I'm just processing and thinking about all of this because you know we're we're thinking about where where um, where the biggest impact is going to be for a data team and where are they going to be the most positioned to succeed. And there's there's a part of me that thinks, you know, it, it, it isn't it isn't a specific place in the organization that's the right answer. It's 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 you know maybe a better way to frame the question. I'm curious if John, this resonates with you. Maybe it will, based on kind of what you just said here. Is well, where's the center of power in the organization? That's where the data team should live. Right, right. I mean, that's that's uh, that, that's really interesting because one, it's in you know, large orga large organizations there there isn't there isn't one, and also the other thing, it can change, right? You can you can you can all, all change or 
an exec, a seat at very powerful exec leaves and someone else comes in yeah. or the real organ stuff. So a new CTO comes in, who's like really, you know, right. just a real go getter. Like, oh man, maybe exactly the data right. team would be best there. Right. Yeah. I remember again, yeah, well, bank, sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. I remember um, a bank you know, a few years ago, um, they got a CDO in and he said, the only reason I'm coming in is you give me the whole organization. Like you give me the analytics, you give me the platform, you give me everything. Right. He got, he came in with a you know, 5,000 person organization. So suddenly the power was all centered around him and he, but he would negotiate that on the way in. So it absolutely changes. I mean, ultimately, you know, we talk about culture and, you know, data driven, that kind of stuff. I mean, ultimately this is, this comes down to, in my mind, the culture from the CEO downwards, how committed are they to using analytics to drive the business? You know, and then it comes back to that business changing. And that really, if, if, if they're not, then it's going to be pockets of power around and you've got to find your exec and you've got to find the, 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 the where that is. And that could be anywhere, right? It could be the CEO, it could be the CFO. And we're seeing a lot more CFOs under this market getting a lot more power. So actually, today it's going to the CFO because they're going to get money. They're going to, they're going to, you know, it's going to have clear run, clear objectives, all that kind of stuff. So, but really, if in a mature organization, and, you know, there are, there are very few of them out there, the CEO is going to say, right, we are going to use analytics to really improve our business. And that includes business process re-engineering, that includes business change. So actually the data team or the data product team rather should come under the the, the, uh, the digital or the um, transformation, you know, the change, the change organization fundamentally. So that's where the product managers sit, they're the other branch of it. You know, we can have implementation across the board because obviously each each business area could have their own small implementation team. Maybe, you know, again, there's, 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 there's different ways to, you know, to, to, to slice and dice this, but fundamentally that's where it's got to come from because mm -hmm. ultimately it's, you know, the business leaders got to, got to drive that kind of change and that kind of um, appetite to use analytics in a, in an agile way across, across their business. Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. Um, uh, one more question that's related to all of this is around so imagine you're a uh, a data team you know you're you're somebody who works on the data team yeah and you're trying to figure out how to how to start to move in this direction like yeah. how, like how, how do i start pushing more business value in the organization how do i start mm -hmm. to push more of a data product approach how do we yeah. start adopting gen ai more um in what we're trying to do whether it's more on the data product management side or it's more in the data products themselves that we want to deliver to make more value in the organization how, how do you get started especially somebody who's not a cdo or somebody who yeah. can be like there's yeah. a, now an initiative right like how do you how do you yeah. get started yeah, so that's a really, really good question because a lot of it comes down to kind of a power, empowerment and authority, right, and trust, right, and uh, and you can have you know great trust, and I've obviously seen many data scientists that come up with great models that can do the business, and the business don't don't want to do it. So the first thing I would be doing is testing: can I push back, and can I really have that business conversation and actually steer the business in in a, in a particular way? Because if you can't, you're gonna that, that's gonna be very that's gonna be very tricky to do that, you know. That's going to be my first. The second one is basically kind of really how how much of the product management kind of ethos is in the organization already. Because, you know, if we talk about data product management, it's a new thing. If you look at standard product management, that's really sparsely kind of adopted across the world, right? It's you go to very few companies are really nailed product management generally across the board, you know? So again, that's another thing. If you look at, um, you know, doing product management and um, processes, 
And really, and I think part of what, what I've been trying to do is come up with a really simple, quick and easy process that the business can understand and actually see value. And I think that's, that's, that's the thing that's really, I, I found work for me. Lots of times again in my career, I've said, right, what do you want to, well, you know, what, what do you want to do? And you flip flopped and kind of that sort of stuff. But if you actually have a process or a kind of a very and, and language that you can actually have a business conversation and get their trust to actually drive that conversation, as we talked about for the, the framing and that kind of stuff, not talking about data, not talking about analytics, but talking about their problems and how they actually solve them, which is, let's just face it, classic product management, right? If you can get into that position, you know, that you're going to get, you're going to go a long way. The other option is obviously you go, you do, a, you do a massive sales pitch to the senior exec and say, look, we can 10x your revenue or, or whatever, or, save your, or, or do this initiative, that kind of stuff. You do a more formal approach where you're doing an actual pitch as if you're an external coming in trying to do that. So that's, that's, that's another way of doing it um, in my mind. It's kind of the bottoms up versus the yeah, go to the top and see down, yeah, exactly right. happen that way, right? Yeah. But it, it's clear that you, you need the role. I mean, you need a person. I mean, you need a person. You need a product manager, right? And the, <laughs> the, the thing, yes. you know, this is the takeaway. You need a product manager. And uh, in, in today's data teams, uh, there are no product managers. So you need to bring in these people. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not strictly to this. I do know a few, but you're absolutely right. On the majority, yeah, most, I mean, the thing about data teams and they, I mean, I, I feel, you know, I really feel for them. I've been working with them for 20 years, right? So I know they tend to be kind of pushed quite down in the, organ, in the organization. And there's sort of, a lot of them have come from kind of the, the they're, just, they're seen as reporting teams as by, by the business. It's like, oh, they just do reports. It's like, you know, what a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm a salesperson. I'm going to get my bonus by, by my, um, getting my, you know, get my comp by pushing this many deals. And uh, oh, there's some reporting I need to do over here. That's, that's, that's them over there. And I, and I feel sorry for them because actually that's, they're doing a massively important job, especially if they're doing regulatory stuff. I did a lot of work in banking and that's a nightmare doing all the regulatory stuff. You have to run around doing, you know, especially in large organizations. And there's still that, I see that a lot in businesses. They, they're seen as this kind of, you know, something down off the side rather than a core instrument of the business or the support. Even IT is a bit like that, right? In a lot of businesses, they, they're seen as this kind of, oh, that's just IT. It's like, well, you, your whole system runs, the whole business runs on IT. So I do think it's, um, to, that's why I do think we need to reframe it into, into that, product management piece up, up into the product thing you start having conversations about org charts and stuff where you start talking about product management and business change and stuff business people they're sort of ears, ears prick up right it's like well, so we need to build a new data platform we need to, need to do data quality or governance and stuff and the eyes roll roll back in the head and it's just like you do need to do it but the business people say well i don't care about that right well that, so it's is, really yeah this is another interesting i feel like analogy that ties into the software world is that like you know, I, I feel like you do hear a lot of CDOs or, you know, heads of data say things like, oh, we really need to establish our governance framework and we really need to, yeah. uh, you know, modernize our data infrastructure and we really need to improve the performance of our data warehousing capabilities. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and and that's the way that they're kind of describing their roadmap. But if exactly. you think about it from like a software lens. Right. If the VP of product comes and stands in front of the organization or in front of customers and says, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to invest in really in really scaling out our MongoDB database. And we're going to really make sure that we refactor all the the, the, the JavaScript. Very important. Yeah. People will yeah. be like, what does that have to do with value? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, you're absolutely right. And so, you know, I, I talk a lot about data friction, you know, and data friction really comes down to the uh, the cost, time and effort and risk of using data for a business problem, right? That, that, that's it, you know, fundamentally, you know, especially in analytics, we're trying to use secondary use cases from the transactional data, you know, and sometimes you can't because the transactional data isn't fit for purpose. That's friction, right? That's just, that. that's, 
Yeah, I want to do this segmentation. There's a natural use case from a customer. They've got customers which are, which are you know, in, um, over 60, 70 years ago, they, they had customers and they've still got them and they didn't have, didn't require date of birth for their, you know, to, to go in there because it wasn't a requirement, right? Whenever, whenever they think. So, but the business runs perfectly with that. You know, so they can run these customers and run all the services without the customers in this, you know, for 10% of the customers having date of birth in their CRM system. Marketing and tearing their hair out, say we want to do some sort of age-based segmentation about marketing campaigns, but we can't do it. You know, so is that a data quality issue? Well, no, it's not. It's it's a it's a secondary use case that, that wasn't thought about when the data was captured, you know. And so what it comes down to, if we want to do that, if you want to go to your you know, got four million customers, want to four hundred thousand customers, there's a cost, there's a risk. And there's an effort associated with getting that capturing that data. So is the cost benefit around doing that greater than actually the the the, the effectiveness of the campaigns we're going to get into? And that's the way I think about you know the um, the uh, the whole thing the whole thing about data, isn't it? It's fundamentally the governance, you know, and all the all the tech debt and data debt and process debt and everything else. It's basically you go to the business and say you want to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, it's going to cost you X to do that, and the risk is this. Um, do you want to do it? You know, and that's a better conversation to have to say we need a new governance framework actually they do need a new governance framework new new infrastructure scalability all this kind of stuff but you're having it in a language and a currency that the business can really get behind and understand right. why does marketing care about that why does the finance group care about that yeah right? i i have to say that i was uh expecting to go talk more about generative ai and all right <laughs> <laughs> no, no but this, but here's the thing i think that that's a good thing because it's just another tool. And I think in the way you described it originally, it's like, oh yeah, I just want this tool so we can be able to go generate business value yeah. faster. So I think that that's actually a, a nice kind of outcome out of all of this. A reminder, like this is fun, it's cool, it's good, but it's just another tool to help us generate business value. So I always ask the question, do you want to build an LLM or do you want to use one to solve a business problem? It's what's 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 really what's what's the goal here? You know, it's that you know, and if it's if it's the second one, which is you know, which is great, we don't know what that business problem is. It's system investigation discovery, but that that's the goal. And ultimately, it's not about using a you know, hundred billion model. You could use a hundred million BERT model to do half the stuff that you want to do. Because that's the other thing about like, you know transformer architectures. You can actually use break the problems down into smaller models, which you can train in like a day or two, rather than trying to put everything in a like in a, in a big Falcon or Mosaic or whatever model as well. So it's mm -hmm. that's again top down right you start with the problem start the things you're trying to do and then see if the llms and what llms and what ai and what models because you don't have to have necessarily a generative model to do that you know a classic machine learning model or a deep learning or even stochastic or whatever you know it's again exactly right it's 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 a great set of tools you know and, it's, and your tool back it's just your toolkit's just got massively expanded which is fantastic but it is you've got to know its limitations where it, where it works and where it doesn't yeah all right well I, as I knew this was going to happen, like, <laughs> just keep talking, talking. I, one more question before we hit the, the lightning round and all that stuff. Uh, your T-shirt, the great yes. race. Please describe right. it because I love it so much. And I know post on LinkedIn, you go see it. And, and, and So, yeah, just give a quick description of it. Yeah, so the great data race is trying to, again, frame those sort of conversations with business people around, um, you know, what the, the process of building building analytics, really, you know, and you kind of start with, you know, again, the first the first entry point is you know with a racetrack because everyone knows about racing whether they like or not. You know, understand that whole kind of thing. The first entry point is you know do you start with a business problem or do you start with the data? You know, and in my mind, you should know this obviously by now. And on the on the call, I try to start with the business because if you go down the the the, the data route, you're you know 
you, you might end up with a dead end because you actually don't know, you know. And then you get to like the um, business understanding, which you've got to get. You that's the, that's that's the first bit. And then obviously you don't get lost in data sourcing. You got to do data data product um, uh, chicane, which is actually you start thinking about product management inside your data as well, that kind of stuff. Data modeling roundabout. It's one of my favorites. Don't get lost in that. You can keep going round and round, model model your way round and round and round. You know. Um, you know, and then you obviously then you go through Gen or Gen AI before that. So I'm trying to read this back and front. It's been a while since I've done this, but um, you know, you've got to look at again what we talked about. Can Gen AI, Gen AI actually help accelerate what you want to do? Go around, you know, then you have data model roundabout, and then obviously data contract curve. You've got to take the right apex around data contract curve. It's not going to solve everything. There's still a lot of race left to come, you know. And then you've got the um, I've got data governance pit stop at the end, but there is argument to say it should be further up and that kind of stuff. So there's definitely definitely some some, some nuances around where these things can go. Um, user testing again, user testing that you always got to do that again. Is that the end or is that the start? You know. Um, that could be anywhere, and then you're into the production straight. You know, so the idea is you've got this kind of race, and really, what we should do is actually almost have like a circular race where it goes round and round. And I thought about having like a rally section where you could have different terrains of different business problems, have the business as a co-pilot in the you know car, all this sort of stuff. But I thought I'd lay it out in a kind of simplistic, even though it's slightly it's not quite right, a simplistic way to start with to get people talking about it and get people understand, not just technical people, data people like us, but business people and other people understand what the process is. That is so it. fun. That, that was the idea. Great, great conversation starter and a great yeah. thing to think about. And uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a good analogy. And on this show, we love analogies, especially analogies taking, taken a little bit further than usual. <laughs> uh, all right, so let, let, let's hit our next uh, segment here, the, the AI Minute. We talked a little bit about AI, but I just want to give you one minute so you can rant and just share all your thoughts. Rant about AI. Ready, set, go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing AI for, you know, for, for uh, six, seven years. My, my first project was really interesting, it completely failed, because I didn't really understand AI and understand how to actually go in and... Um, and uh, actually, you can you, you, if you don't have the data, it can't work. And there was a six-week engagement, completely failed. We failed to come up with it at the end of it. And that's something that's really taught me a lot, um, a lot about <coughs> AI. Understanding kind of the, uh, the, the, the the limitations, understanding what tools you want to use, understanding the fact that it's, it's all about small incremental gains rather than this kind of binary. So that's I come from the software world originally, you know, 20 years ago. You have business rules, and they either work or they don't, theoretically. But then AI comes along. It's like, we can do this. Actually, no, AI is a completely different uh, uh, mental model. You want to be able to do small incremental gains. And sometimes they can do that. If you can do a 1% gain on your PL, fantastic. But then there's a lot of work around that. You've got to understand all the hallucinations in Gen, in, in Gen AI, which is a big problem, all the tail events, all the kind of, you know, um, the, uh, the training, just understanding training is very different. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. So I really like it. I like that. There's a lot of uh, these uh, small incremental gains to think about it. All right. Yeah. Lightning round. Let's go through this. Some uh, We got a couple questions, four questions here with like yes or no, a little bit of context. I'll kick yeah. it off. Number one, can it be a data product if it doesn't provide business value? I don't think so, no. Can it be a product if it provides business, no business value? All right. Nice. I want to get very, very clear here. All right, Tim, you go. What about, will data product managers actually leverage LLMs almost as like an equal? Like, is it going to be the yin to their yang or or are, are, or are LLMs more of a point tool? I think they're more of a point tool. Point tool for them? Yeah, yeah, point tool for everyone. I think they are, they're, they're, they're uh, I call them the AI butler. I tell them what to do and they go away and do it a lot quickly, more efficiently for it and then come back and, and do it for me. But it's it's a tool. It's not, it's not a, yeah. 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think some folks try to get really excited about how expansive it's going to be, and like yeah. this changes everything. And I mean, obviously, it changes a lot, but it does, it's yeah. good. It's good to keep that framing in mind. Yeah. Cool. Should the data teams be the ones pushing generative AI innovation for the organization? Well, the, if if they're product orientated, then maybe. But if they're not, then I think that 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 that, that might be challenging. Um, unless you just talk about they're using Gen AI to speed up their own processes, so they're generating you know SQL and that kind of stuff. That it's about process efficiency of them getting getting analytics out quickly. Then then potentially, um, but if it's more around kind of business process reengineering, new products and that sort of stuff, that really if they're product management, then then absolutely. If if not, they need to get to that point. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, last question. Is the CDO the head of data product management? Is the CDO the head of data product? But no, the head of data product management is the head of data product management. You know, fundamentally. So the CDO could become that and become their re remit, but then it's the head of data product management. And that to me, that to me is more of a CPO type role than a CDO type role. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Interesting on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we went very silent there, didn't That's we? A, that, that, I did not. <laughs> I, I, I can I agree and I disagree at the same time. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get some other CDOs and see what they think about it. But all right, woof, we did a lot. We got a lot of joke. Tim, take kick us off with your takeaways. All right. Well, we started off with whether or not you had a pedantic definition of data products, and you said yes, but it doesn't really matter. The noun or whatever you want to think of as data products is not the goal. That's not the point. The point is the verb managing data products. Yeah. Uh, you know, the act of data product management. That's what matters. Yeah. Uh, and the and noun verb thing is Brian T. O'Neill's, not mine. So I, don't, I want to give him credit. All right. For that. <laughs> <laughs> so reinforced, further supported yeah. by you. Um, and yeah. uh, it doesn't have to be that specific. We don't have to be that specific. But if you do have to be more specific, then really it's you know it's that thing that's providing value for the organization it has a customer it has a user uh, you gave this story of uh, an organization you worked it with where you were uh, they were working on building out the credit models and those credit models were the data product which I think kind of you know it goes into this idea that you know is it resonating with business people is it outcome oriented is it value oriented and um, you know is uh, it doesn't have to be a narrow definition right it's the definition that makes sense for your organization and yeah. uh, you mentioned how expansive that definition kind of depends on the maturity of your organization right uh, you yeah. know what what is the unit of solving a problem in your organization maybe it's a dashboard maybe it's a recommendation engine right uh, but uh, you know depending on your organization maybe that doesn't make sense so don't get too pedantic. Don't get stuck in data modeling roundabout when when <laughs> trying to figure out uh, what the hell is a data product. Uh, but definitely have a definition, have a vocabulary in your organization. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, really think about is there a market for it and sort of data product management is this idea is like, is there a market for this yeah. thing? Right. And so similarly, is there an internal or external market for this data? And then we talked a little bit about sort of data products and Gen AI kind of working together. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, there's three kinds of data products, or I'm sorry, uh, of sort of Gen AI data products. One of them is more sort of a co-pilot aspect, which is LMs creating the code or the contract, and then you run it. Um, there's more of a classification sentiment kind of use case or, or model around Gen AI. And then the third was like where the LLM is the data product itself. Like you mentioned chat GPT is a data product. 
And actually, I, I hadn't heard that before. That was new for me to hear that sentence said. And I think yeah. that that is helpful because I think a lot of folks out there, you know, think of uh, ChatGPT as a tool. They think of it as a service, um, yeah. but they're not thinking of it as a data product, which I think puts a new and important lens on it. Yeah. So I think that was good. Um, you know, LLMs can help for the different stages of the data product management lifecycle. So you mentioned how it can help with mapping the business questions in. It can help with developing the data product. You could be the data product. It can help you to deliver and enable around the data product. So thinking about how Gen AI fits into the data lifecycle more broadly is important because it can help in lots of different areas. Um, and uh, if you're talking to a sort of business users, sometimes you need to reframe the problem with them. And that's sort of a skill around product managers and also similarly around data product management. Um, really think about how things are going to get adopted, how they're going to use, how they're going to provide value. And so much more, but Juan, I'm going to pass it over to you. What, what were your takeaways? So we, we talked a lot about roles, right? And these, these yep. topologies, we get the platform team versus product teams. Like this is how it works for software teams. Something similar should probably happen in data. In software, you have product managers who are a specialized role. It isn't like DevOps or Agile. It's, it's really a job. So the data product managers will probably be something similar. We were talking about where, the, where should the power be, right? Where should well, the data team should be where the power is, but we also know that the power moves in large organizations and larger than the powers all over the place. So I think that's something interesting to think about. So as a data professional, how do you start to take advantage of generative AI innovations and data product management? I love what you said, start to push on things, test and see how much you can push on these things and how folks react. I think that's a really important takeaway right there. Understand that very few companies will actually nail software product management. So you, they don't nail it. So you have to set the true expectations because you're probably not gonna nail data product management from the beginning. Uh, Develop that language to speak to the business value, the problems that people are experiencing. Start to move into that position. Communication is so key on this and the getting that right language. And, and that's and this is kind of more of the organic bottoms-up approach. I mean, also you can do the top-down, just bring in the pitch from leadership and making sure that you get an initiative over there. And then we talk about like the, the data, this data friction, right? We need to be able to go focus on the business value of data. We need to understand the cost benefit of things, right? Yeah. Uh, and understand why does a finance group care about? It? Why does the marketing group care about this stuff? Like really, truly understand that. And in going through this whole discussion, like LLM wasn't like the focus of our discussion because it's just a tool, right? And I like what you said. You want to build an LLM or you just want to go use an LLM to go solve a business problem? So, and, and then finally, wrapping up with your T-shirt, I, I, definitely just look up John uh, on his T-shirt on LinkedIn. But just in a nutshell, if start with the business problem first because if you start with the data first, it's a dead end. You go through the wilderness of data sourcing. There's the data modeling roundabout, and be careful because you can end up a lot over there. There's the data contracts user testing, and then you have a, a production straight away and to hit uh, kind of your final value. But at the end, I think we acknowledge that this should be like going back. Yeah, it should be like, like yeah, absolutely. It's a loop. How, how yeah. did we do? What did we miss? I think we, uh, we covered a lot, actually. We didn't, didn't dive into much technical stuff, did we? Which is... Uh... <laughs> This was just less than an hour. I knew that we would need more time, but yeah, indeed, um, indeed. Well, yeah. so we needed. Well, we'll have another episode later, sooner than later, on diving into more yeah. technical issues. We'll do a follow-up, uh, a techie follow-up. That'd be so awesome. To, to wrap up, three questions: What's your advice about data, about life, whatever you want? Uh, who should we invite right. next, and what resources do you follow? So, um, my advice. Oh, blimey. Um, so. 
me, I'm, I'm, me, I'm always curious, right? And there's the way, the way I learn, right? Because I've got some neurodiversity and stuff. So I struggle to read textbooks. So I always try and like do stuff. So I was playing with GGML the other day. I was brushing off my C and actually writing some C and after a long time, about 30 years. For me, it's all that yeah, curiosity and understanding really. I, I want to understand how things work. There's lots of, I think there's lots of um, challenges with people just, you know, saying, oh, it's going to do this and this, this and make an assumption, go in and check it out and be curious and try it out. So that, 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 that's kind of my mantra. That's why I'm still in the industry for 30 years later. I just love, love going and playing and actually being, still being curious around that. What was the second one? Sorry. Sorry, it's getting a bit late now. So my brain's not working very well. <laughs> who, who should we invite next? So I reckon you should get some data product managers on there, some ones who are actually doing 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 the job. Are there anyone that you, can, you want to call out here publicly? Yeah, so there's Nick. I can't pronounce his last name. Zebedeus. He's a, he's a he's a guy. There's Brian T O'Neill, who's a, he's very much around that. There's, there's so yes, Nick, Brian, Nick, Brian has already been on the podcast. Definitely. Okay. So Nick, and Nick his podcast is awesome. Yeah, he's actually doing the role. He's actually doing the data product manager role. So you're really drilling the, the life. They the trenches of actually someone doing this kind of role, so that that'd be quite a, quite a nice good follow on. And then and finally, one. what resources do you follow? I mean, people, books, magazine, podcasts, conferences. I don't know. So um, I, I I get a lot of um, uh, feeds from things like Medium and DZone and stuff like that. That's where I get a lot of um, my content around, sort of understanding about LLMs and this kind of stuff. That's that's typically where I where where I get get most of my guess my my um you know my thoughts and that kind of stuff um i do a lot of obviously do a lot of googling when i say oh what about that and i'll go and try it out so i tend to be more trying to trying to find the information and actually work stuff through um obviously chats like this are just are absolutely brilliant and we have a lot of these on we had, had, a, had a drunken chat in a, in, a, in a taxi with chris tab coming back from big data london the day, which was fantastic we did a podcast last night around that kind of stuff around data <laughs> stuff so yeah yeah exactly right so, and, and that 30 conversation of big data london around around various different things so that to me is that that, that is absolutely gold because i'm also very impatient i just want to get to the nub of the thing very very quickly so you know to me it's trying to fight trying to zero in that kind of wow john this was fun i'm so glad we finally got this uh absolutely. it all worked out we scheduled it uh while we were big data london uh thank you thank you so much as a reminder next week our guest is samia Rahman. she's the director of enterprise data strategy and governance at cgen and i think i'm actually going to be in chicago and she's in chicago so we're gonna do it live over there uh, so it'll be a fun discussion. She's all uh, a lot of data mesh and data product discussion, continuing that one on and governance too. But John, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Really excited you're finally here as a guest. Uh, and cheers, happy. Cheers, well, thank you so much for having me on. That's been absolutely awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm awake, so it's all good. <laughs> all right. Cheers, John. Cheers. Thanks a lot.